we want to look tonight at the vine and the vineyard of the Lord. The vine and the vineyard of the Lord. Luke's Gospel, chapter 13. To say how encouraging it was, how fantastic it was to see this house full, completely filled on Sunday night. And Lloyd was telling me to put out extra chairs out the back. And there's so many came on Sunday evening. So we're just delighted that the Lord is blessing. And this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Luke 13, verse 6, please. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then, after that, thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Now I notice here in our opening reading, we have a vineyard and a fig tree. A vineyard and a fig tree. And many people really don't get the full grasp or the full grip, the depth of these parables. Look, from all of the, the parables, we could preach about salvation message, and that's, that's fine. We do that. But many, if not most of the parables, are actually based on kingdom principle, first of all. Their main thrust is to do with historical kingdom principles and that which was happening in the day of Christ according to history and according to what would happen at the cross and after the cross. So I want us to look tonight at the vineyard. And when we look at it, we look at the vine and the vineyard. And the fig tree is another part we'll mention, but we'll not go too far into it tonight because many times I've spoke about the fig tree. And what happens here is the the vineyard here, notice he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Doesn't that sound strange? He's got a vineyard, but there's a fig tree in it. It doesn't seem to work. Well, why is there a fig tree in the middle of the vineyard? And so we're going to look at that tonight. Because the fig tree, or the fig, was a representation of, first of all, the house of Judah. We'll look at that in a moment. And then the Jews, or the 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 Jewish people. And so when the Lord is here, if you notice the last verse of our reading in verse 9, pardon me, verse 10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. See that? So here he's teaching the Jews in the synagogue, and what he's saying to them is, there was a man who had a vineyard, and in the vineyard was a fig tree. And the man who who owned the vineyard uh, says, that he comes finding fruit on the fig tree, not even on the vineyard. 
He says, cut that fig tree down. It's cumbereth the ground, or it's taken up the ground. It hasn't bore fruit every time I conduit. There's no fruit. Why cumbereth it the ground? And the response is this. Verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold these three years coming, I coming, seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down, why cometh it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig, shall dig about it and dung it. So Jesus telling this parable to these Jews in the synagogue is saying, you are the fig tree. You're in the vineyard. This is in the uh, Canaan land, if you want, holy land. You're in the vineyard. You are the fig tree. He says, no, there's no fruit. You're not going to accept me, he's saying. So at this point in time, Jesus has been ministering for three years. And the Lord is saying, my father is saying to me, cut the fig tree down. Forget about it. It won't bear fruit. But I'm saying, Lord, or he's telling a parable. What he's saying is, Father, leave it for one more year and I will minister. And if it bear fruit, well and good. And if not, then you can cut it down. Now we know that around three and a half years into his ministry, this is about two and a half to three years when Christ is saying this, within the year, they crucified the Lord Jesus. And save those who were saved, that uh, small group of Judaites, if you want, and we find 120 in the upper room, and then the Lord Jesus shows himself after his resurrection to another 500. But considering of all the ministry that he's done and all the miracles, really nationally there wasn't a lot of fruit. Going into Jerusalem one day on his last week, remember he sees the fig tree, he goes to find fruit on it, and he finds none, and he curses the fig tree, and it withers. Again, that was symbolic of Christ getting into Jerusalem before his crucifixion. He's saying, look, here's the leaves, here's the foliage, it looks good, it has all of that uh, uh, branches spreading out, there should be fruit on it, I've been ministering here, but there isn't any. He curses it, and it withers and dies. Remember going back in the next day, Peter says, Behold, Master, the fig tree which thou cursest. So Jesus was shown it literally in a, in a symbolic form. Now he's talking in a parabolic form of what was going to happen. And of course, after they crucified the Lord, around almost 40 years later, Titus the Roman prince in AD 70 came and he destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And they set fire to it. And the gold melted. It was all through the, that wonderful temple. And the gold melted between those big stones. And they were ordered then by Titus, the soldiers, pull down stone by stone to get the gold out. There was so much of it. And so the temple was leveled. That's why nowadays when you look at Jerusalem, there isn't a temple. There is a wall called the Willing Wall, but that is, isn't actually even part of the temple, believe it or not. That is a retaining wall for part of the hillside. That's all that was. It wasn't the actual, uh, ancient stones were there, but it wasn't part of the actual temple. If it was, Jesus got it wrong. For what did he say about the temple? There should not be one stone upon another. So it can't be part of the temple. Christ got it right. 
So then, what was that? The fig tree was cut down. Can you see that now? So this is what he's saying here. Now, go with me to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Let your eye run down to verse 9. Then began he to speak unto the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him the fruit of his vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him, but when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy those husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. Notice there's no fig tree mentioned now in this one. Luke 13, there's a fig tree in the vineyard. Now there's just the vineyard. So we're going to zone in and zoom in on the vine and the vineyard. Notice when he says vineyard, he still hasn't mentioned just singular in the singular vine. We're going to look at it. Turn with me to the Old Testament. And bear with me as I... There's a lot to read through. Turn with me to... Second uh, Kings chapter 18. Sorry, chapter 11. I'm doing this without notes, so you'll forgive me if I get a wee bit. Okay. I've got the wrong one, sorry. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. First Kings, chapter eleven. I said second, didn't I? Yeah. Sorry. First, first, first Kings. Pardon me. I tell you what, for time's sake. Yeah, let's go down. I'm just going to have to skip over a few verses. Solomon, David's sons, reigning over Israel. And as he's reigning over Israel, Solomon has many wives, and they bring in their gods. And they start to worship other gods. And the Lord is angry with this. And as they're worshiping other gods, let your eye run down to verse 9. It says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much, as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee. Notice this now. This is very important. I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant, notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of, the, of thy son. Howbeit I will not render away, away all the kingdom. Notice the terms here. 
all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. So God says, because of what you have done, I'm going to rend the kingdom. I'm going to take this away. But because of your father, David, the psalmist, the king, because of him, he's now dead. He says, but because of him, because he was a man after my own heart, he says, I'm not going to take away all of the kingdom. What I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a tribe for David so as I'll honor him. He's from the tribe of Judah. We know that. So I'm going to leave another tribe with him, but I'm going to take it away from your son's hand. That is Solomon's son's hand. So when we go over into the next chapter, I tell you what, stay at chapter 11. He says he'd give it to his servant. Solomon's servant was called Jeroboam. Jeroboam. And so Jeroboam, he starts to become a, a well-known character in Solomon's uh, palace and around Solomon's kingdom. And Solomon actually gives him rule over what was known as Joseph at the time, which was the, the people living more northward becomes very popular among them. And then because of this, he ends up running away into Egypt. He disappears because he's afraid for his life. Solomon dies. Jeroboam comes back out of hiding. And when he comes out of hiding, Solomon's son is on the throne then, and he's called Rehoboam, okay? So you have Rehoboam and you have Jeroboam. And so we pick up here, and we'll stay in chapter 11 until... I pick a few lines out. Chapter 20, or 11, verse 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they, were, they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. Notice this. He's rent his coat now, his garment, in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. So then he says why they have forsaken the Lord and they're, they're worshipping other gods. And Look at what he says, verse 34. Howbeit I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I choose, because he kept my commandments, my statutes. I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto him, unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe that David my servant may be a light alway before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shalt be king over Israel. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways and do that, is right in my sight to keep my statutes and commandments as David my servant did, that I will be with thee and build thee a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel unto thee. And I will, for this, afflict the seed of David, but not forever. Now, here we have in verse 12, chapter 12, And Rehoboam, Solomon's son, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. 
So here now, Rehoboam is on the throne. Jeroboam had a new coat. Ahijah the prophet comes, takes it off him, rips it into 12 pieces, and gives Jeroboam 10. He says, now I've already said that I'm going to rend this kingdom. There's your 10 pieces. You're going to rule over 10 tribes. These two pieces left of your coat, one is for Solomon's son Rehoboam, who's the king in Jerusalem at the minute, and the other piece, well, that's for a tribe I promised that I would give. I promised Solomon I would give it to the house of David, or David's tribe. When you read here, uh, and time wouldn't allow us, you'll read here that that extra tribe becomes the little tribe of Benjamin. Now, that tribe of Benjamin becomes known, because I'd be a light before David, becomes known as the light-bearing tribe. Now, if you could take it from here, the light-bearing tribe of Benjamin always sticks with the house of David or the tribe of Judah, always, all the way through the rest of the scriptures. The kingdom is rent in two kingdoms. And right through there, these two tribes stay together. They even fight against the northern kingdom, their brethren. They even fight in war with each other. And they actually take on the Syrians to help them fight each other and they make other alliances to fight one another. It's like a household battle going on here. And so what is happening here at this point, this man has got, I have 10 pieces, he's going to give me 10 tribes. So I'm cutting this down. He goes to Rehoboam and he says, look, the taxes and the duties are too heavy on the people. So what I want you to do, he says, is I want you to make them lighter. And Rehoboam, Solomon's son reigning in Jerusalem, goes to the older men and he, they say, make it a little lighter for him. Don't be going too hard on them. And the younger men, you know, young men's mentality says, get stuck into them, Rehoboam. Put it on, on them even more. Come on, exact more money from them, more labor out of them. And he listens to the younger men, not to the wisdom of the older men. And what happens is the kingdom splits. Joseph the North, as I call, is called Joseph, it becomes his kingdom and it's right. And the ten pieces, the ten tribes go to the north, they have their own capital city then in Samaria. And you'll hear prophecies about Samaria. That's the kingdom of the north. That's the capital city in the north. Jerusalem's still in the south with the two tribes, so they're now warring with each other. They fell out with each other. And so whenever we get to this, we see then, if you want to let your eye run down to chapter 12 and verse 23. Let's go 22. But the word of God came unto Shemaniah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, Solomon's son, remember? Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin. Do you see the other tribe there now? Unto the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. The Lord says, I have done this. This is from me. So what we have now is the Lord says, Don't fight, but throughout the years they fight with each other. Two kingdoms. In Scripture, become known as two sisters. You become known as two sticks. There's two cities, two nations, two lines of kings come out. But the Judah kings of David are the true kings, the, the ones in the north. They're, they're just a replica, trying to make a replica of the northern or of the, the true line of kings. And so whenever we see this here, we see that the Lord has given Benjamin. Now let me just fast forward. If you can 
Stay with me here. We're way in the Old Testament here. We're way uh, 1,000 years BC. Go right down to the year minus 1 and then jump on to plus 1, the AD if you want, uh, uh, or, or round about that time. And you go right through when, when Christ is alive. And you'll find that, for example, the Apostle Paul, he was what? He tells us in his letters he was of the tribe of Benjamin. If you look at uh, Galilee, Galilee where most of the, nearly all the disciples came from was heavily populated with Benjaminites. So most of, the, most of the disciples were from Benjamin. And what does Benjamin mean? The light and burning tribe. Who were the first to carry the gospel after the day of Pentecost? The light burning tribe. Paul went out carrying forth the word of life, didn't he? He went out saying, I'm in the light-bearing tribe. We're carrying the light of the word of God after his salvation, after his baptism, and after, of course, his filling of the, with the Spirit. So he carries it out. So you can see how God's plan is in this. Now stay with me then for this. Turn with me to the book of Hosea, please. Hosea. If you're looking for Hosea, it's a little book after Daniel. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. Notice what it says here. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars and he shall spoil their images. The Lord is saying here, now Israel is the vine and they're empty. Who was empty? Hosea writes, if you look up uh, uh, commentaries, you'll find that Hosea the prophet was a prophet to the northern kingdom, the ten pieces, the ten tribes in the north. And Hosea was sent with all, you read the book of Hosea, it's about the Lord saying, marry a woman of ill repute, and she'll walk, she'll walk away from you, just like Israel have from me. And Hosea, you're going to understand what it feels like. And the children that they have, they're called, you're not my people, means their names, uh, Loruhama, no longer my people, I will not have mercy. The whole story is there, but the Lord's saying, look what you've done to me. It's like Hosea and his wife. They're children, you're not mine. And then, of course, the Lord later in the New Testament says through the gospel, for those who believed in his name, they became the sons of the living God. John chapter 1, verse 12. So what the Lord is saying here is, Israel is an empty vine, so they become the vine. If you would... Um, this would be actually before the, the, the kingdoms are separated and this is before they're carried away in God's wrath and carried away in God's anger by the Assyrians. 721 BC was the final deportation of the northern kingdom. So if you were to turn with me to the Psalms then, 
I hope I'm putting this across okay and you're still, you're still with me. If you turn to Psalm 80, and let's lift out two verses. We're going back a little further just to show you this, the very theme that still runs through. Psalm 80, uh, verse 15 and 16. And the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself, it is burned with fire, it is cut down, they perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Notice here, the psalmist here says, you planted a vineyard with your right hand, in other words, with your power. How did Israel come into Canaan land? Through the power of the right hand of God, isn't that right? Well, that's what the prophet's saying here, the psalmist is saying. It's through your power that they end up here. Now, years down the line, the kingdom is split, and up, up north now, they're really turned to idolatry. Down in the southern kingdom, they've still got the temple, and they're, well, they're not doing too bad. They're nowhere near as bad as the northern kingdom. And old wicked Ahab and Jezebel come out of the northern kingdom. And Elijah, you know the story of Elijah there and the prophets of Baal. And Elisha comes after that. Amos the prophet is from the southern kingdom and he's a herd man. And the Lord comes along and says, go up north and prophesy against them. And Amos is saying, Lord, if I go north, they're going to say, who, who are you to come and tell us what to do? So Amos was a prophet from the south sent north. So you can see the, the, can you see the pattern in the Bible now? Sent into the vineyard. I wouldn't listen. 721, the Lord sent the Assyrians in, took them away captive, never returned. Never returned as a kingdom again. Now, a little after that, if you go to the book of Isaiah, please. I know when you're looking at your Bible, Isaiah in chronological order in your Bible is before Hosea, isn't it? But in time it isn't. In chronological time, in history it's not. So you have Hosea. The kingdoms go. Isaiah comes out and prophesies to now Judah and some of Israel to say, look at your sin, what have you done? So if you go to uh, Isaiah chapter 5, Now remember Jesus is given a parable and this is all. See, Christ is saying this because he's not just leaving it there in a sense where I'm just going to give a wee story about a wee parable of a, a vineyard and a fig tree and you'll understand maybe a little thing what I'm talking about. He's speaking as a mighty God in flesh. He's speaking of the God who brought them out of Egypt. He's speaking of the one who's redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb and he's the one who's come and they're going to reject. He's speaking, looking back, saying, I'm the one who gave you the word of the prophets. So look at Isaiah 5 and verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with choicest vine, notice, and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, the men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, 
when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought out it brought out forth wild grapes. And now I go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the heads thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof, it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged. Notice Jesus comes digging, do you notice that? He said, well, at this point, it's not going to be digged. But there shall come briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. That's the northern kingdom. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness. But behold, a cry. Now, when you look at this, you'll see the Lord says, all of Israel together, they, they were my vine come out. Now there's a split, so the vine becomes the north, the, 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 the southern kingdom in the, of Judah starts to become known as the figs. So now there's fig tree, and they start to mingle themselves throughout history. And the Jews start mingling themselves. They mingle themselves because they now be taken away captive. They're taken away. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. And when we see this, what you'll find here is Jeremiah prophesied the northern kingdom are taken away. They go into what's known as scripture as the wilderness, or they're scattered. They start migration. They start going over towards Europe and then round, you see where the churches went round Turkey and all this. That was all seeking out the lost Israel first. People then, in God's plan, started to hear the gospel. God had it all planned out. I notice this in chapter 2. Let me see where I am now. Let your eye run down to verse 20. Jeremiah 2, verse 20. For of old time I have broken thy yoke, and burst thy bands. And thou saidest, I will not transgress when upon every high hill and under, or under every green tree thou wanderest playing the harlot. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned to a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord. There's nothing you can do, he says, to cleanse yourself from your sin. What are you going to do now, he says? And what happens is, the house of Judah with Benjamin, the southern kingdom, they are still in the, in the, in the south. They start becoming idolatrous. Their sin increases. God sends Nebuchadnezzar again and carries them away into Babylon. We read of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den there. Ezekiel comes up there and he starts bringing out his message then to the people too. So you can see the line that God's bringing them, showing them you were the vineyard, you were the vineyard. But then suddenly in Jeremiah, he starts talking about good figs and bad figs in Judah. And what you'll find throughout there, there are then 
true Jews or Judahites and ones who aren't true. And again, that goes right into the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. The Lord Jesus says there are those who say there are Jews but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Not true ones. There are true ones, but they're untrue. So you can see how this thing comes right through here. That's why there's a fig tree in the vineyard. The vineyard was all Israel. Then it becomes more the northern kingdom. Then the fig tree comes out to become uh, a, a mixture of religion and faith with all the Babylonian system. It's called, and even when they come out in Jesus' day, he says, you, you are looking after the traditions of men uh, rather than the weightier matters of God's law. You're more worried about washing pots and pans than having the cleansing of a man's heart. So what Jesus was really saying to them there is, you're following, and if you look into that, you're following what's known as uh, Babylonian Talmudism. That's not the Torah. The Torah is the five books of Moses at the beginning of our Bible. Talmudism was traditions of men added in. So the vineyard has become absolutely corrupt. There's wild grapes. What happened to wild grapes? They just went wild. <laughs> Simple as that. They, went, they became sinful. They, these grapes were bitter, so the Lord sent them out. Now, turn with me to chapter 6 of Jeremiah. Verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine. Turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, the ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them as a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore I am full of fury, the fury of the Lord, and I am weary with holding it in. Now here we find the last days are coming up before the southern kingdom is carried away. And hear God's word saying, start to glean things back. Grasp hold of it. I can see that in our nation. We're losing things in our nation. We're losing what we had in Ulster. Especially little evangelical Ulster. We're losing, the, the, as Christians, we're losing what our heritage was. We're losing what we used to take even for granted. We're losing the blessings that the gospel has brought to our land and the word of God has brought to our nation. And we're losing it all. Do you realize just this week there was a letter sent out from a, a school in South Belfast to the parents saying they're now going to be serving whether they liked it or not halal food to the children? And these things are just eating away at it and eating away at it and eating away at it. This was the same there. It's no different. And here the Lord says, Start to glean. Get what you can. Be strong. And then he tells them, you're going to be carried away. But after 70 years, I'll bring you back out again. Now, without turning to it, remember when Daniel is in Babylon and he's praying? Do you remember as he's praying, he's reading the books of Jeremiah? And the Lord tells him after 70 years, he's going to come out again. He's going, here, here's the prophetic word. I'm going to start praying into this. And so when reading the scriptures, he takes the word for what God said it would be and he starts praying this over the scriptures and starts to pray the scriptures over the people. 
And what you'll also find is that when you read Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Now, I know we can say that one to another, but really that was the Lord speaking to the southern kingdom in the house of Judah who were in Babylon saying, I know the plans I have for you. Go in because after 70 years I'm bringing you out. That's, that's the context that that was said in. And so when they did eventually were released by Cyrus, the, the Babylonian king, what happened was you read of Ezra, you read of Nehemiah going out, you read of all these things, and in that you see the temple being built, you see the walls being erected. And this is, all, you, you'll see, this is what is happening in the Bible timeline. And then from there we have uh, that Zerubbabel's temple, and so right on, right on through until Herod comes on the scene. Now Herod was one of those Jews who was not a true Jew, but was off the synagogue of Satan. Herod was not an Israelite Jew. Herod was an Edomite, an enemy of Israel. And if you look up the background of that Herod, that's why he wanted to slay Jesus, because the true king was coming in prophetic scriptures. The true king was going to come, and he would rule and reign, and he wanted him dead. That's why he was a baby killer. So you can see how the devil wanted the gospel never to go out any further. So, turn with me to... If you just mark this one down, because it'll take far too long, and time's almost gone already, believe it or not. If you, if you mark down Ezekiel 17 in your Bible, or, or, or wherever you're marking it down, and if you look and read there, you'll read again of a, of a great eagle. It's a riddle. It's called Ezekiel's riddle. And a great eagle bird comes with great wings and crops off the top of uh, the branches of a cedar tree. And then he speaks about the vine. And that was the, that was the, the, the daughters of Zedekiah, the princesses, being taken away into Egypt by Jeremiah the prophet. It's all in the scriptures. Now, go with me then still, instead of reading all through that, chapter 19. Ezekiel chapter 19, verse 10. Notice the language again. Thy mother is like a vine in thy blood, planted by the waters. She was fruitful and full of branches by reason of many waters. And she had strong rods for her scepters of them that bear rule, and her stature was exalted among the thick branches. And she appeared in her height with the multitude of her branches, and she was plucked up in fury and was cast down to the ground. And the east wind dried up her fruit. Her strong rods were broken and withered and consumed, fire consumed then. And now she is planted in the wilderness in a dry and thirsty ground. She's just planted in the wilderness. See to match this up only some different symbology. When you go home, read Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 talks about a woman giving birth to the child and goes into the wilderness. That woman isn't Mary. It's Israel. It isn't the church. Here's the question for you. Did Christ give birth to the church or did the church give birth to Christ? Christ gave birth to the church, didn't he? So it can't be the church. It's Israel. Give birth to the child. 
The devil tried to destroy it, but because of this, their sin, they were cast out. Now planted in the wilderness, coming right across through Europe and Scandinavia, over across North Africa, further afield, right into Britain. And so you can see they're planted somewhere else. And if you read that in the context, you'll read of a woman with the, the stars around her head. If you read the account in Genesis of Joseph coming to his father and says, I had a dream. There was the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed down to me. What he's saying is, see, Abraham was a stargazer. Abraham was a heathen until the Lord called him out. He knew all the constellations of the stars and they had what, what was known as the crux or the cross in the stars. They had Leo the lion in the stars. That was all in stargazing. And if you look at it, and I'm not talking about your astrology today. I'm talking about the ancients read. They saw what we would think of what would be now pictorial uh, gospel in the stars. But they weren't saved. So God brings Abraham out. His uh, great-grandson Joseph has this dream about the sun, the moon, and the stars. So his father, Abraham's grandson, obviously knows what he's talking about. And he says, hold on, you're saying the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bow down to your star, Joseph? Are you saying your mother, I, and your brothers are going to worship you and bow down before you? And didn't that happen when they were brought into Egypt? So when you look at the woman clothed with the sun and the moon on her feet and the stars around her head, it's Israel. Just, it's a pictorial description of the children of Israel cast out into the wilderness. I actually didn't mean to go this deep with this tonight, but we're just going to move on just for another bit. Is everybody still with me? Yeah? Okay. Where am I going to go to now? <laughs> uh, let's go back to um, Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. So the Lord says, He began to speak a parable to his people. A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth the husbandman. And the men went went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant, the husbandman, that should give him the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away. And he again he sent another servant, and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully, and he sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. What is the Lord speaking of here was the, the, the vine from Old Testament, from when the Psalms, when the Lord is saying that the vine was, was, was his people Israel, before the split in the kingdom. What he's saying here is, is the prophets were sent to them, looking for the fruit that they would bear unto God. And they were stoned, and they were beaten, they were manhandled. And the Lord says, look at what it says in our reading here. Verse 13, Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. So now Jesus is there and he's saying this. My father sent me into this vineyard. I have labored here for three years. And he says, if there's no fruit, he's going to cut it down. 
Go with me. Matthew chapter 21. Okay. Let's write on down to verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and heads round about it and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out the husband and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. Last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? And they say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus saith unto him, Did you never read the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. And is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, because it's the Lord's doing, all that we have said, that kingdom, the renting, all those things. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. There's a little bit added in there we don't get in Luke chapter 21. And what is he saying here? I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken, plucked out of your hands. He's speaking to the Jews here. Notice verse 45. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of them. He's talking about us here. And Jesus said to them, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Now you'll hear from most places that's given to the church. The word nation here is not ecclesia for church. It's ethnos. It's ethnos. Do you know who the other people are? The other people were those who were cast away in 721 BC. So Jesus comes and says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he sends out his servants then going out. And as they go out preaching, the light-bearing tribe of Benjamin, as they go out, Paul goes out after that as well. As they go out, we have converts. or our churches built, many of the churches. Even like of the, as I mentioned on Sunday, the book, uh, in the book of Romans and Corinthians. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, do you not know how all our fathers uh, passed through the sea and were baptized on the cloud and passed through the sea? If these were all just heathens with no background of Israel, how would they know what he's speaking about? There's no TV and there's no internet. You know, there's no daily newspaper. The bugle isn't going around every morning being thrown off a bo- at the doors with a boy on a bicycle. Because they had to have somebody there that passed down. This is what happened in the past. Speaking of the Red Sea. I told you in Romans chapter 3. 
There's none righteous, no, not one. Taking that, taking that from, the, from the prophets in the Psalms. How would they know that what that was if it wasn't from the Psalms? There's none of you that are keeping God's law. Heathens would say, what do you mean God's law? But if they had the, inher- the inheritance in them and that heritage, they'd say, well, we know what this is. And what was it? It was they knew who they were. And they started to see that God had sent forth his son of this parable. And they started to get turned around again and point to Christ. People were hearing this and other people were saying, well, I want saved. I want this God. I want this Savior. So the actual ethnos was the northern kingdom that was already scattered, as well as some of the kingdom, southern kingdom. And as they went forth preaching, they heard. So, when we go, this is our last reading. John's Gospel. Last reading, chapter 15. So whenever you read this, you'll understand where he's coming from. You'll understand the background of this. And it's a deeper import than what we generally think. Look, we all read this and we think, well, this is good. This is a nice, sweet verse. And it is. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Speaking of these parables and all that's happened in the Old Testament. Every branch in me beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I'm not going to read it all, but you know he's talking about abiding in him. What's Jesus saying, I am the true vine? What's he saying? He's saying, I am the true Israelite. That's what he's saying. I'm the one when the Father comes, he finds the fruit in. I'm the one, the only one who isn't the bitter fruit. I'm the only one who is the true fruit. I'm the one who has the, the real a fruit of the vine. I am the true vine, he says. I'm what Israel failed at and what every one of us has failed at. My father, he says, is that husbandman. Now, if you, bear, if you abide in me, he says, and I abide in you, you'll bring forth fruit. Do you see that now? That's what he's saying. You abide in me and I'll abide in you and you'll bring forth fruit much fruit and more fruit. So now when you read that, you can say, I know where he's coming from because the vine, out of it came a fig tree and the fig tree became a fig tree that was no figs on it. And in Matthew 24, Jesus says, before his second coming, what's going to happen? When you see, learn the parable of the fig tree, (laughs) that this fig tree would come back into Palestine, Jerusalem, to the Holy Land, to Canaan, whatever you want to call it. And that's happened. It's shooting forth leaves. But there's very little fruit. I know some saved, don't get me wrong. But nationally there's very little fruit. And it's the same when Jesus returns, he says, even they, he says, they better be ready for my coming. So there you are. The vine and the vineyard. I was sitting in the house about a half an hour before I came out and I thought, we'll have a prayer meeting. And all this just came to my head and I thought, Lord, maybe I'll have a Bible study. I'm going to do that. So God bless his word to us. I hope you have reaped something out of that and you've seen that where now the Lord's saying, I'm the vine, the true vine. That's who I am. See, you can't be. So I am for you.